Good morning, church family. Welcome again to Faith Free, where, uh, where it is all about Jesus. It's good to worship him together. How are we doing? Ready to go? My name is Derek. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, glad that you're with us. We're going to get into God's Word together in just a moment. First of all, I, show you some, I want to show you a couple of pictures. First of all, uh, back on July 17th, 1999, that happened. <laughs> so that was just a little over a week ago. Uh, that's my beautiful wife, Amy, my beauty, my sweet thing, I call her sometimes. Uh, so then here we are. This, is, this one is uh, uh, a little over a week ago as we celebrated 18 years of marriage by the grace of Jesus. And uh, that was fun. So I posted that picture of our dinner out in Salem that night. And then we got to thinking about other anniversaries. We often try to think about you know, what we've had an opportunity to do to celebrate different anniversaries. And so Amy went to look for the picture of our previous anniversary, and I was wearing the same shirt. I almost wore the shirt this morning. I thought that would have been funny. But it was dirty. I couldn't. So, um, Same shirt. My sweet thing. My same shirt. I guess I need some new shirts. And, uh, and here are some other, in addition to those things, here are some other of my favorites. My other favorites in my life involve sleep. Now, I do love to sleep. That's not me. That's my son. But he sure makes sleeping look fun, doesn't he? So I, I, I do enjoy sleep. I also uh, enjoy Starbucks. Uh, my, I'm definitely a, a large fan of uh, iced coffee at the moment. And I also love Sundays. Sundays, where we get to gather together and celebrate Jesus together and study God's Word. Am I doing anything weird? Does anybody notice anything weird? <laughs> yeah, sort of. <laughs> I'm a nerd. I'm cracking myself up. I'm telling you. <laughs> and what are all these things? My sweet thing and, and uh, same shirt and sleep and Starbucks and Sundays have to do with this morning's passage? Almost nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Almost nothing. Um, here's the thing. I mean, honestly, I was studying God's Word this week, and S words that started with an S just kept coming up. So I'm rolling with it. So I'm rolling with it. <laughs> okay, so as we uh, grab your Bibles, open to Mark chapter 6, 6. And uh, <laughs> this is going to get old real fast, isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to be fired at the end of this sermon. Sermon. Okay. <laughs> open your Bibles. Grab, uh, grab your Bibles. Open to Mark chapter 6. And, uh, and as we study God's Word, I really do think you're going to see why uh, God brought to mind some things with the letter S, and, and they are going to be meaningful to our time in God's Word this morning. Um, but as you turn to Mark chapter 6, hey, as, I, as you turn there, I just want to mention um, wasn't it great to have Pastor Ed teach us from God's Word last Sunday? And uh, many of you have mentioned to me that you have enjoyed um, hearing God's Word through different voices, some, from our different, some of the different teachers that God has blessed our church family with in, in recent months. And uh, I just really think that's the fullness of the body of Christ, um, that we as a body, 
the Bible speaks of the church as the body of Christ and that things function best when every part does what they are gifted to do. And so I think it's a blessing for us to get to um, enjoy and benefit from the spiritual gifts of our other, some of our other teachers in our church family. Um, so I will be teaching plenty often. That is a significant part of the role that God has called me to. I will be teaching a high percentage of the time. I love to teach the Bible. I am thankful that God has given me an opportunity to use my life and my vocation to teach the Bible, so I'll keep doing that. Uh, but of course, I've got plenty on my plate as, um, as the lead pastor of this church family as well. The, the, my plate also involves lots of leadership and shepherding and uh, things that I also want to devote my time to and uh, com- be committed to you in that way as well. So we'll continue occasionally to hear from God through his word, through the voice of, uh, of a, a couple others in our church family And uh, the reason for that is I don't want us to be dependent on one preacher or even dependent on one of our favorite podcasts. What I want all of you to do is I want myself and I want for you to be students of God's word, to know that God speaks to us individually without the help of preachers through his word. And so I want to be students of God's word, uh, learning to listen for his voice in our lives. Will you do that with me? All right. Well, speaking of hearing from God through his word, here we are, Mark chapter 6. This morning we're starting at verse 30. Uh, Keep your finger there throughout the morning. I'll read a few verses and stop and read a few verses, etc. So, verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus. Remember, they had been sent out to serve Jesus and, and, and heal and teach, and now they're returning. They returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And Jesus said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many people saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus went ashore, He was greatly annoyed and thought he was going to get some time to himself and some peace and quiet. Oh, your finger's in the text? So that's not what it says in the Bible? Excellent. See why we keep our finger in the text and we hear from God through his word? Now Jesus went ashore and he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them. If it was me, I'd have been annoyed. (laughs) He was trying to get away. He was trying to get a break. He was trying to get his, he and his friends some rest from all that they had been doing and working hard and preaching and teaching and healing. And they were trying to find a quiet place. And the crowds circumvented that, ran ahead, figured out where they were going and cut them off at the pass. But it says that Jesus saw them and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus' response there is so important for us to know his response to us in our lives. And his response there is also so important for us to emulate as followers of Jesus as we respond to people around us. In John chapter 10, this will be on the screen, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay my life down for the sheep. So Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. 
Because what does a shepherd do? Because Jesus does for us what good shepherds do for their flock. Jesus is with us. Shepherds are with the flock. Shepherds guide. Shepherds protect. Shepherds feed. Shepherds seek lost sheep. And so Jesus lets us know that he is our good shepherd because he is all of those things. And Jesus is shepherding us I think, starts with seeing us. Jesus, the good shepherd, sees. We've mentioned this before as we've studied through the book of Mark, that Jesus sees you. He got out of the boat, and he could have just been focused on what he wanted to do or what he wanted to teach next. He could have kind of looked past the crowds who came to him needy, but he sees them and has compassion on them. And he has compassion because he says it himself in verse 34, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. In the Old Testament times, this is the the first two-thirds of your Bible, the Old Testament, the history of God's people. Um, Looking back at the history of God's people, God put people over his, God put leaders over his people. And they failed. Those leaders failed as shepherds. We'll see this on the screen, Ezekiel 34. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with none to search for them, none to seek them. I'll add myself, no one to see them. Jesus, the good shepherd, sees us. And so that was the history for God's people as their leaders failing to serve as shepherds, failing to guide and nurture and protect. And so Jesus arrived into that. Between, after the first two-thirds of your Bible, the Old Testament, we have the New Testament, the last one-third, that is the life and ministry of Jesus, because Jesus came into that mess, because he came to rescue. So Jesus' perfect life living the life without sin that you and I are not capable of. Jesus came and lived a sinless life. Then he died the death that you and I deserve, as, that we deserve for our sin. Jesus came, he lived, he died, he was victorious over death. He rose from the grave conquering sin and death. He ascended into heaven where he reigns at the right hand of God. Jesus came and lived and died and rose again and ascended into heaven and he's at the right hand of God reigning from there, our good shepherd. Though not physically with us anymore, not physically present on earth, very much our good shepherd, very much with us. And as Jesus ascended or after he ascended, these first, these early Christians, these followers of Jesus began to group themselves into churches so they could support and encourage one another, so they could pray for one another, so they could live for Jesus together. And Jesus put leaders, Jesus wanted these, his people, these early Christians, to be shepherded. So what did God put in place? On the screen is 1 Peter 5. So I exhort the elders. This is the place that God puts elders, a role in church families, into our, into our lives, into our church families. So I exhort the elders among you to do what? To shepherd the flock of God that is among you, 
exercising oversight. So this is a good opportunity to talk, because some of you are familiar, and maybe perhaps many of you are not familiar with the way that our local church and many local churches operate and do things, and, and, and how, why do we do what we do, and how do we make decisions, and how do we seek after God together, and how do we uh, decide what our church is all about, and the things that we're really going to focus on, and what things we really can't focus on for, as we seek to serve Jesus. Um, our church is um, what you call a congregational form of government, which means that you, the members of our church family, the congregation, hold the final say on, on the most significant, some of the most significant decisions that are made around here. And among those decisions that are made on a regular basis, you, the congregation, the members of Faith Evangelical Free Church, you um, approve the annual budget so that you know where your money that is given for Jesus is, you know where it's going, what it's, where it's being spent, how we're using it to Spread the good news of Jesus near and far, so you approve the budget each year. You as the congregation, in a congregational government, also install, approve, and install our leaders, our elders. A group of men that, uh, that have this job that we just saw on the screen of shepherding, nurturing the flock, spiritual care, spiritual nurture, protecting, spurring us along to help us be closer to Jesus. And also this, this aspect of leadership overseeing our church family. And then the, verse, the, the very next couple of verses in 1 Peter go on to say this, that the elders are to shepherd the flock in these ways, not under compulsion, but willingly, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And I, want, I just want you to know, some of you are aware of some, who some of our elders are, and some of you are not. I want you to know what a great group of guys these are that God has put in, in place in our church family. And uh, it's been a joy for me to get to know them. Uh, and in fact, they didn't know I was going to do this, but if, if our elders are here, would you stand up for a moment? I'd like our church family to be able to know where our elders are. We probably have a couple out of town. They're, they're going to be a little reluctant about this, but I'd like our elders to stand up so that you would know who they are. Thank you, gentlemen. I think that was all but one or two. Um, eight elders and myself served together on a team uh, to ask God what we're, we're all about as a church family. So the reason I had them stand, and I know uh, it's not to bring attention to them, but I, I want you to know who they are. These are men who love Jesus and who love this church family, and uh, we're working together prayerfully, thinking, praying, um, listening for you, listening uh, to the voice of God to see what Faith Evangelical Free Church is all about as we move into the future, um, desiring to glorify God to the best of our ability. So um, if, you, if you need anything, if, if you have a question about our church family, if you need prayer, if you need spiritual encouragement, you'll, you'll see myself up here a lot, you'll see others of our staff team up here a lot, but those guys, that's why I had them stand as well, because... Those are our elders. Those are our shepherds. If you uh, need something uh, or need prayer or counsel or have a question, uh, you can always ask any of us. So, Then that very, that very next verse in that same passage that we've been looking at in 1 Peter on the screen, that very next verse is, And when the chief shepherd appears, who are we talking about now? Jesus. When the chief shepherd appears, you, the elders, will receive 
the unfading crown of glory. The good news there is that the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, is coming back. And in the meantime, he's, he's with us by his spirit. He's, he's given us fellow Christians to worship and share with, and he's put elders to shepherd and oversee. Um, and as, as we elders in this church family are under shepherds of the chief shepherd. So, Jesus the good shepherd, he sees us. He's with us. He's there to shepherd us. So if, we're, uh, if Jesus is the shepherd, then we, of course, are the sheep. And one thing we sheep do, 1 Peter 2, 25, for you sheep were straying, and me sheep, were straying, for you were straying. We sang even earlier, we sang, I have wandered, bring me back. If, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know this to be the, tr- the, the case, that we, that we wander, that we stray, that we uh, don't always walk as closely with the good shepherd as we ought. So what does that look like? What does straying look like? What does that mean that we have strayed? Well, certainly it could be um, those of you that are apart from Christ. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you have never uh, received the gift of salvation that's offered to you in Jesus, then, then you've, you've strayed, you're apart from, from God's flock. But certainly those of us that are followers of Jesus, we stray and wander as well, our sin uh, causes us to, to be, hold up a hand to God and reject his good purposes in our life. We, we go against him. We, we, do, we disobey. Um, we, we, we wander away and we don't walk closely with him. And that verse goes on to say, For you were straying like sheep, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That's a good description of why Faith Evangelical Free Church exists. To help people return to the shepherd and overseer of their souls. Wouldn't you like to be used by God to help people return to the good shepherd? Let's, look at it. Let's keep going in our passage, verse 34. Or we, that's where we left off. Let's look again at verse 34. When he went ashore, Jesus saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So then how does the good shepherd respond? Let's keep going. And he began to teach them many things. So the first thing we see here about Jesus' response, as a shepherd who has compassion on the sheep, Jesus teaches them many things. Verse 35. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. We're out in the middle of nowhere, and the hour is now late. Send these people away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. So the disciples are practical. His close friends here are practical. There's a large crowd that has gathered to hear Jesus, and it's out in the middle of nowhere, and it's getting late. So they're thinking, what are we going to do with all these people? So they they say, send them away. Verse 37. But Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. You put yourself in those shoes for a second. You give them something to eat. We're talking about thousands of people. You give them something to eat. 
And his disciples said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Okay, so if you are employed for a salary, many of you work very hard and are not paid. You're awesome too, and, the glory, and, and you're serving to the Lord. If, but if you work for a paycheck, think of what that paycheck is for a year. Think of what your pay for a year is. Think of what a little over half of that is. That's the 200 denarii. A little over half your yearly, your annual salary. These guys are going, you want me to go spend that much and buy bread for all these people? You give them something to eat, Jesus said. And they go, what? How is that possible? You want us to spend all that money or what? Their question, um, their question betrays the fact that they still don't seem to get it about who Jesus is. We've seen this as we've studied through Mark, haven't we? Jesus is with them, and he's teaching them, and he's, doing, he's healing people, and the dead are being raised back to life. And yet, it doesn't always seem like they are getting it. They still don't seem to have a clue that Jesus, the God Man, our series is called The God-Man because Jesus is fully God and fully human. They still don't seem to understand that the God-Man has the power to supply their needs. They're standing around, they see the problem, they have these thousands of people, they don't know what to do with them, and they fail to see that Jesus is with them and that the God-Man can supply their needs. Verse 38, back in their Bibles, verse 38. And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. That's what they came up with. Verse 39. So Jesus commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. And Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up to heaven, and he said a blessing, and he broke the loaves, and he gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and he divided the two fish among them, what? All. Five loaves and two fish. God gave thanks for it. Jesus gave thanks for it, broke it, and began to distribute it. I I know so many of you have heard this story before, but let's ask God to help us that no matter how many times we've heard the story, that we think about what's going on here. Um, You know, there, there are some Bible readers out there. There are some quote-unquote experts that read this account and try to help us out. They, they try to help out our rational scientific minds by explaining these things away. Friends, there's no need to come up with a quote-unquote scientific explanation for what just happened. We, we, don't, need, uh, we don't need some kind of explanation. We don't need a uh, We don't need to try to explain it away. We don't need some conspiracy theory. If we come up with a conspiracy theory for how these thousands of people just ate, we're rejecting the God-man. Because you know what this was? It was quite simply a miracle of God. He took a little and he made it plenty. Because that's what God does. And we try to explain it away. Or we think, that's just a story. That's just hyperbole. What we should take it as is as a miracle. 
And then it should cause us to ask the question that we've been asking over and over as we study through this book of the Bible. It should cause us to ask the question yet again, who is this guy? Who is Jesus? Jesus is the good shepherd who sees you, and Jesus is the good shepherd who supplies Because Jesus is the true shepherd. He provides the necessities for our spiritual lives and for our physical lives. I love in 2 Peter 1, this is on the screen as well, it says, His divine power, the God-man, divine, fully God, fully man, His divine power has granted to us all things. Does that sound like supplying? He has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's a great reminder of the gospel. If you are here one week a month, if you're here every week, every week, it doesn't matter. If you hear anything from what Faith Evangelical Free Church is all about, you need to know that we are all about Jesus and as, the, as, the, as the rescuer, as the God-man who can take us from Darkness into the light and from death to life. We're about the gospel. The gospel is, about, is, is a word that means the good news. And, and that verse that we just looked at, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of the gospel. It reminds me that his power accomplishes what we cannot accomplish for ourselves. Did you hear that? That his power accomplishes for us what we cannot accomplish for ourselves. In Jesus, we have salvation. (laughs) In Jesus, we have salvation that we can't earn, that we can't try hard and make God love us anymore, that we can't do certain things and match up to his standard. He has provided, he has supplied all things that pertain to life. In Jesus, we have salvation, all that we need for life now and life eternal. And what we see in this passage, first, Jesus supplies their spiritual needs. And he teaches. We've seen Jesus teach throughout the book of Mark as we've studied through it. And what's he teaching Maybe in this passage, Mark doesn't say exactly what he was teaching, but we've seen it over and over what he's teaching Jesus is coming to the sheep without a shepherd, having compassion on them, seeing them and seeing them and wanting to supply for their deep spiritual need. He sees them like sheep without a shepherd, hurting and lost and confused and burdened by life. He sees them and he supplies their spiritual need. He's teaching And what he's teaching is the same things he's been teaching throughout the book. He's teaching that the kingdom of God is upon us. That the rule and reign of God is being established. He's teaching that apart from him, we can do nothing. He's teaching that in him, we can have life. The good news is that Jesus brought light into darkness and life where there was death. And so we need to be taught. We need to be taught. And for me, time in God's word has been critical to my growth in Jesus and to my 
to my understanding of my loving Heavenly Father. Time in God's Word, where we can be taught, for me, looks two ways. It needs to be individual and daily. I, I have found that I need to be individually, myself, daily, in God's Word, hearing from God through it. And, and for me, what that has required is much earlier mornings than my body would prefer. And the other fine thing I find about needing to be taught by God is that I have found that I need to be taught by others. And, and I think that throughout my life, and, and for most of you and your experience, the way that we're going to most easily, most frequently be taught by others is by committed attendance to your local church family. I feel like I have to be in the Word daily, individually on my own, and I also feel like I need to be taught by others. And so I find ways to be taught by others. And as you find ways to be taught by others, I think it looks like being committed to weekly church attendance. Now you say, well, Derek, that's easy for you. You're supposed to be here. You get paid to be here. Yeah, but friends, the author of Hebrews in your Bible also writes, do not give up meeting together. I would like to think that even if I wasn't getting paid, that I would bring my family to meet with the creator of the universe. So Jesus addresses our spiritual needs, and he also then supplies our physical needs we see in this passage. And that reminds me so much that that we share the good news both in word and deed. Sometimes we try to do only one or the other. But in this, pa- this passage kind of reminds me of how we share the good news of Jesus both in word and deed, because Jesus doesn't only provide bread for the soul in this passage. Jesus provides bread that meets physical needs as well. And I think as the church, our response to people, our response to the crowds that we need to take compassion on, our response to a lost and hurting world who is living apart from Christ and doomed to hell, that our response of compassion to those people needs to be a both and. Word and deed. We don't neglect one or the other. What do I mean? Well, Bible lessons are great. We, we share the Bible. We teach. We share what God has done in our lives. We share the good news of Jesus with people. That's important. But Bible lessons and then sending people away hungry or not clothed or without some other need would be too little. That's not, that's not the fullness of Jesus' heart. And on the flip side of that, Filling stomachs, clothing the naked, healing the sick, and then sending them off without filling the longing of their heart and the spiritual hole that exists, that would be too little as well. Do you agree? So yes, we serve. We want to act out the gospel. We want to do the good news of Jesus in our actions. We want to serve. We want to give. We want to care. We want to provide. We want to feed. We want to clothe. But at some point, God, by his spirit, will prompt you to speak the good news as well. To bring to words what Jesus has done. That while we deserve nothing, Christ died for us. While we were stuck in our sin, darkness, deserving of death, Jesus came and lived and died and rose again so that you, my friend, my neighbor, my coworker, my fellow student, might live. We need to speak the good news of the gospel. 
Back to our passage, verse 42. Jesus had looked, remember just the previous couple of verses, Jesus had looked to the heavens and, and prayed a blessing and then began to break the bread and the fish and passed it out to everyone, verse 42. And they all ate, and they were satisfied. Yes, some of the, even long S's out there, nice work. And they all ate, and they were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish, and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Last week, we saw an indulgent feast. Here we're seeing some people fed by a miracle. Last week, we saw this indulgent feast of King Herod, and it was complete with exotic dancing. And these supposed pleasures do not satisfy human hunger. We look to the stuff, the corrupt stuff, the broken stuff in our world for, for filling our needs. And, and we saw an example last week where this feast that Herod puts on with food everywhere and wine everywhere and, and women doing inappropriate things, that leaves us hungry. It does not satisfy. But this week, we have a good shepherd who provides a satisfying feast. The good shepherd sees, the good shepherd supplies, the good shepherd satisfies. Is this all they taught you in seminary, Derek, to put a list together and start with the same letter? Seriously, I wasn't trying that hard. No, they did not teach me that in school. This is just what came to my mind as I read God's word and I see what the good shepherd does for us. He sees, he supplies He satisfies John 6 on the screen. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is not just satisfying physical hunger. Just a few verses later, it says this, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son, that everyone who believes in Jesus should have eternal life, and I will raise him up. On the last day. That sounds like satisfaction. That sounds like being truly satisfied in a way that matters. Jesus, the good shepherd, satisfies Jesus, satisfies. Jesus is all we need. Jesus supplies so much that it satisfies. I mean, there's, there's leftovers in our passage, isn't there? What did they start with? Five loaves and? It was five loaves and two fish, and it turned into? Twelve baskets full. Uh, That's a little more than we started with, isn't it? Jesus supplies, Jesus satisfies, and, and the love of God overflows to us. Friends, you and I are experiencing leftovers in the best way. God's love is so amazing and so powerful and so showering into your life that if we receive God's love, if we look to him in our lives, we are receiving his love so much to the point that it is overflowing out of us. It is more than we need. There is leftovers. And you know what we can do with the most amazing leftovers? We can share them. I know some of you don't really like leftovers. That was probably not the best picture for you. For you were... um, The good shepherd 
then sends us. He sees, supplies, and satisfies so that then he can send us. You know, we've talked in recent weeks about living sent. What does it look like for our lives to, in our lives to live sent, to live on mission for God? Uh, and we see that in this passage too. I think it's really interesting when the, when the disciples face this problem of this crowd to feed, and they just want to, they want to turn to the quickest solution. They want to say, well, we better send them away because they got to go fend for themselves. They got to go find something to eat. What does Jesus do? Jesus insists that his disciples take part. Jesus insists that his disciples share in serving. Jesus insists and, and, and sends them to take care of it. To take responsibility for the crowd. Remember what we saw back in verses 37? Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. And then he said, what do you got? What do you have? What's available? We're trying to feed all these people. What do you have? And they came up with their five loaves and two fish. Um, Jesus insisted that they share in what was going on. Not only do followers of Jesus, not only do we have all we need for life and, and death, but we have all that we need to share God's love with others. We have all we need. God's given us what we need to contribute to his mission, to serving and caring for others and taking the good news to the ends of the earth. Um, God wants to work in you so he can then work through you. Let's stand as we close. Jesus, the good shepherd, sees you. He supplies. He satisfies. He's the only one that satisfies. And then as Jesus has seen you and supplied and satisfied, he wants to send you. Why does he want to send you? And, and what, what should move us to share God's love with others? Because salvation is available in Jesus alone. Because of what we have found in Jesus, because he has supplied and satisfied, he then sends because salvation is found in him alone and you have good news to take to the world. So let's read this aloud together on the screen. Acts 4.12 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Father God, we thank you that while we are, are far from you, while we sometimes wander, God, while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Father, we thank you that you see us and that you supply for our every need, that you satisfy our hunger, our deep spiritual soul hunger, can be satisfied in your Son. Father, we thank you for demonstrating that kind of love to us, that you would send your Son, that he would live, die, and be raised again so that we might live. And Father, what we just read aloud, um, God, would we not take it for granted? Would we not take it lightly that salvation, that new life, that rescue from sin and death is found in Jesus alone? God, help us to come to you each day, to hear from you each day, so that we can live for you. 
each day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great Sunday.